It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Friday edition of Lockdown Rams, and we are just around the corner from the NFL draft. So, like we've been doing in the past weeks, we have got a guest on today from one of our Lockdown NCAA channels, which we're really excited about. So, I want to welcome in Luke Robinson from Lockdown Bama. Luke, how you doing, my man? Doing great. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. We're excited because you guys have another amazing class. I mean, per usual, you kind of are expected these days uh, just to be pumping out NFL products. Uh, So we're excited to kind of catch up with you about some of those guys. Some are way out of the range of the Rams as we pick at 52 and 57 in the second round. But we'll talk about some of those guys in the third segment uh, just to kind of get your take on it. Uh, Guys, don't forget to go check up on uh, the NFL mock draft that Lockdown is doing over at the Lockdown NFL channel. If you haven't had a chance to go listen to it, uh, go take a listen. All week this week, we've been doing our mock draft, the first 32 picks in the NFL draft, as well as guys like uh, me in the second round got to have our opinion in there, too, uh, on the Friday show. So make sure to go check that out. Apple iTunes, Spotify, Himalaya, all the sources where you can find or download a podcast. You can find that as well. Uh, as for our show, Lockdown Rams, feel free to reach out to us on social media, Lockdown Rams, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, as well as LA underscore Rambling Bear is my personal. As for Luke, you can find him at LS Robinson 21 on Twitter or Lockdown Bama. They are pumping out a lot of awesome uh, content as well right now, getting kind of up and ready for this draft. Uh, But we've got a great show today looking at prospects. Lots of talent in this Bama class that we're going to take a look at. So with all that out of the way, let's just jump right into it. With our final mock drafts coming up next week before the draft, let's take a look at some of those prospects coming out of Alabama. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. I'm joined by Luke Robinson of Lockdown Bama. And this is your lead story. We are six days away from the NFL draft, but really a full week away since the Rams get a chance to get their first pick at number 52. Looking at some of these players coming out of Alabama, you know, some could get really excited, but for the Rams' sake, you might want to, you know, kind of pack up some of those top-tier players off the board and just see what you get a chance at. But Luke, when you look at this class, as I mentioned, a bunch of guys going to go in the first round, early second. How does this Bama class compare to some of the ones that have come out in the years past? I think top-heavy-wise, this is as good a class as you could have. Uh, from Alabama, there's no doubt. I mean, Tua Tungavailoa, Xavier McKinney, Jed Wills, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, uh, Trayvon Diggs, even. Those are all guys I've seen projected in the first round. I've even seen uh, Terrell Lewis projected in the first round in some mock drafts as well. So this class is going to be incredible, I would think. Um, and, and I think the Rams would would love to get a guy like Terrell Lewis if you want to just start right there in terms of who could they get in the second round, this, to me, is the most physically imposing player uh, coming from Alabama this year. And he really is an absolute specimen. I've always said that if you were ever, when you create players in the old NCAA football games, this is right. the kind of guy you'd create. I mean, he, he really is just an incredible athlete. 
The problem with him has been uh, injury concerns. And of course, people have heard that about Tua Tungvaloa, but I would say it's been more of a problem for Terrell Lewis than it has even Tua. Yeah, that's an interesting point that you make there because that was one of my big questions is, what is the knock on the guy? I know I've seen some of the injuries, but is that kind of the only thing that's keeping him uh, falling down the boards? And what were those injuries? Do you see them playing a factor? I know it's it's tough to you know kind of judge what an injury is, but uh, kind of walk us through it, what you saw of him in Bama and, you know, kind of taking a risk. Is it worth it in that late second round? If this guy falls, it sounds like he could have been, you know, a higher prospect if healthy. Uh, I think he had an elbow injury and he also had an ACL injury um, in different years. And he came from uh, the D.C. area uh, to Tuscaloosa. And when Alabama signed him, I mean, I think everybody was just incredibly excited because they they could tell immediately, all right, look, uh, forget about rankings, even though he was ranked very high, high four star, five star kind of kid. Um, he could be end up being the best prospect in this entire class. And there were times where he, he was absolutely unblockable. In fact, a lot of you heard a lot of uh, lore from practice uh, that he was the toughest guy to block. He, he was just unblockable at times. He was so fast around the edge. Um, in the national championship game in 2018 against Georgia, if people remember that game, he had a huge play where he sacked uh, Jake Fromm for a big loss right before Georgia kicked their field goal in overtime. Now, Georgia ended up making the 50-something yard field goal, but I think against most teams and most kickers, that would have led to them having to go for it because they wouldn't have had a kicker with that kind of leg. And of course, Alabama very famously went on to win the national championship with a pass from Tua. But the problem is at times he just seems that he disappeared. And I think it was more about lack of concentration. I would say this past season that a lot of fans believe that maybe he had his eye on the NFL more so than his eye on, on the season itself. Now right. that's not a real fair criticism because you don't really know that, but right. it just felt that way. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I love you going back to that play because you kind of forget about that play. And it was huge because, yes, they did make the field goal. But those are the type of plays that really, uh, you know, are huge in those game momentum type of, you know, where that could have been, you know, the game winning play if they missed that field goal. Obviously, remember, as you said, too, with that throw, you know, really cementing himself onto the scene uh, was just amazing. But that game in general was a, a great game. But there's another guy coming off the edge. Let's say if Lewis isn't there for the Rams or they decide to go a different direction. Um, talk to me about Anthony Jennings coming off the edge. How does he kind of stack up to Lewis and some of the things he does well or doesn't do well? Uh, Anthony Jennings was the alpha on the Alabama defense this past year. And he, he has been for some time. And the thing I love about him is I, I'm in a small town called Alexander City, Alabama. And he's from uh, our neighboring city, Dadeville, which is even smaller than us. And so I've known about him for quite some time. And uh, man, I frankly, I thought when he went to Alabama, I thought he would end up being a great tight end because he had some good ball skills at tight end as well. But boy, he, he when he was on, when he was on his game, he was as good a defender as I think there was in the country, maybe outside of Chase Young. And he also had some some he battled some injuries at times, but uh, he had a nose for making a huge play. And like I said, when you're the alpha dog on an Alabama defense in this Saban era, you're a somebody. Shaq Carter even went out of his way to talk about how much leadership 
Anthony Jennings had about him. I think maybe some of the injury concerns, he had a horrible injury in the semifinal game before the Georgia game against Clemson in uh, in the Sugar Bowl. In the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I was at that game, and it was late in the ball game. And if you know Nick Saban, you know he keeps uh, his starters in yeah. sometimes longer than people want him to. But his philosophy is, I'm not going to give somebody a chance to come back on me, you know, no matter what. And um, so Anthony Jennings was in there late in the game, and it, it is almost one of those things where he almost lost his leg. I mean, it was that bad of an injury. But he did come back, maybe lost a half a second, half a step. But uh, he is still, when he's, when he's at the top of his game, I, I would certainly love to have him on my squad. Well, that's the thing about these players from Alabama. You know what you're getting when they come to the NFL, that Nick Saban has got them ready, uh, whether that's physically, but definitely mentally, talking about finishing games, closing games, not letting people back into it. So uh, we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on the Rams at number 52 and 57 because uh, there is plenty of talent coming out of Alabama. Speaking of plenty of talent, we'll take a look in the second segment as we got more with Luke Robinson of Lockdown Alabama. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. So staying on the defense side of the ball, the Rams already invested pretty well into the defensive line, uh, but there's another Bama prospect coming out that's pretty interesting up there. Uh, Raekwon Davis, talk about him coming out of Alabama on that D front. I don't know what all I can say about Raekwon other than he is an absolute beast of a human being. And I mean that literally. Um, I'm about 6'5", 240, and I do a lot of work with the AHSA here at Alabama, the Alabama High School Athletic Association for the radio network. And so I get to call go call the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game every year. And it was at Hattiesburg when Raekwon was playing for the Mississippi squad. 
And I was able to stand behind Raekwon and you would never know I was there if you were looking at him <laughs> dead on. He is just a monstrous human being. And now that was when he was a senior in high school. Uh, since that time, he's obviously gotten bigger. Um, he pretty famously or infamously was actually shot uh, in the leg, I believe it was, sometime uh, before, right before the season started, I believe, a couple of years ago. And he didn't miss a beat. I mean, he just kept playing. I mean, it, it, it's thing you're gonna have to get a bigger gun, you know. Yeah, hey, right. use a you steal a line from Jaws. You're gonna need a bigger boat. But um, right. he at times also disappeared. I would say that about him. If you're looking for a knock, and why is it this kid who is so big and has got so talented, so athletic, why isn't he higher on the draft board? Because I would say a couple of years ago in mock drafts, and I know you're probably the same way. I love to look a few years out on some of these mock drafts. He was listed in the top 15. Well, he's dropped probably to the second round now. And some of that may be that he didn't always show, he didn't always come up with his best performance. Um, but going back to that Georgia game, and this is where a lot of these guys made a name for themselves. Raekwon uh, actually had an interception in that game. Um, he also had another sack in that ball game as well. Uh, I, I take that back. I, um, he may have had two sacks in that game. So he was, uh, he's, he's really just a, a fantastic player again, when he's on his a game. And I think that's going to be the challenge for some of these coaches that, that draft uh, Terrell Lewis or Raquan Davis to make sure that they treat every play like it's their last play. Well, the exciting thing about that is obviously the Rams in, in this off season, one of the position groups that they've kind of focused on was that defensive front. They went out and got a Sean Robinson, uh, signed him to a contract, and then they got Michael Brockers back after the whole thing fell through with the Ravens. Obviously, we know about Aaron Donald. So they're already kind of built at that position. But the first two guys I mentioned, we don't know how long they're actually going to stay here. The contracts kind of shape up to really kind of be one-year deals if the Rams wanted to be that way. So maybe they do look at a young guy to come in here, and you talked about taking plays off. I guarantee you're not going to take a playoff when you got Aaron Donald standing next to you. That guy works harder than anybody in the NFL, I think would be a perfect fit to kind of bring in a young guy with a ton of talent that maybe that's one of his knocks is, uh, you know, kind of the commitment to the work, uh, sit him next to a guy like Aaron Donald and you're just going to be amazed at maybe what you could get. So, but then again, I just never know what the Rams, you know, prioritize as a need uh, versus how their draft board shaking up. We've seen many of opportunities. We've looked at running back at, in those first second round picks. We've looked at wide receiver since Brandon cooks is gone. Uh, D-line. Another place that potentially uh, the Rams are going to want to look at earlier in this draft is a safety. And looking at Alabama, there's a handful of guys coming out at the safety position. Obviously, up at the top is Xavier McKinney, uh, most likely going to be gone, right? I've seen him as early as, you know, first round and, you know, as low as in the 40s. But the Rams may have to make a move on him. But talk to me about uh, McKinney and maybe a few other guys at the safety position that are coming out from Alabama, the Rams might have an opportunity to snag. Before I get into that, I got to say you've made me chuckle a little bit because Ashawn Robinson, of course, played at Alabama and now he's at the Rams. And I think that's great. I love following his career. But the funny thing about uh, Ashawn is that when he would, he looks like a guy who is 48 years old, who traveled in time <laughs> to come back and play college and professional football because he has looked like he was 48 years old since he signed with Alabama. That was always, I mean, he is just a big, uh, mature-looking dude. And, he, I mean, boy, I'm telling you, they would have to check his 
his ID the other way. Like he's almost too old to be certain places. Right. Is what I mean. But uh, going back to some of these safety potentials, um, Xavier McKinney, obviously I think he's the bell cow. He's, he's the one that a lot of people are going to uh, look at probably go in the first round, I'd say in the early twenties. And um, he's, he's really, really good. Now, none of the safeties on this year's Alabama team were uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dix or Eddie Jackson or Landon Collins. I, I don't think any of them were of that ilk, but they were all very, very strong. Shaq Carter is another guy, Shaheen Carter from Louisiana originally. Um, he's got a nose for the football as well. And he's been one of those guys that's just uh, you rarely hear this about saving guys, but he's just always been there. A lot of times on Alabama's teams now, um, if guys don't make a move as a freshman and don't make a big name for themselves, they'll end up uh, processing out of the of the program. They will transfer right. on their own or they'll just, you know, they'll sort of fade off into obscurity. Shy Carter has been a guy that's just he's solid. And that's the one thing I can say about him more than anything is he he never was a star, but he never went away. And I think when you're on a team full of uh, high caliber talent like Alabama is, and you can always just stand your ground, um, I think that's a that says a lot about him and sticking with the program. And then Jaron Maiden, um, another kid that I think will have the opportunity to get drafted late. But frankly, I I, I think if he's drafted, it's going to be in the sixth or seventh round. Um, he would be one of those guys that if he can. If, if he has a long NFL career, it'd be a little bit of a shock to me. He's a good player and he's a super kid, but uh, I don't know uh, athletically that he's going to stack up to somebody like a McKinney or a Shy Carter. So when you talk about Shy Carter, why do you think uh, you know he he is kind of you know falling down the board a little bit, at least in some of these mocks, right? I've gotten him really late, uh, but again, I love the pedigree as you talked about being around that program for a long time. Uh, you mentioned kind of some of those guys washing out and trying to find other opportunities if they don't become kind of the guy. Um, but what were some of the knocks? Why, you know, why did he kind of just kind of be there? I mean, is he just one of those guys that's good at everything but not great at one thing? Is that the type of guy that he is? Or or what was your kind of take on on why he never broke through? Well, here's the thing. Nick Saban is known as sort of the DB whisperer. I mean, that's his thing. That's what he likes to coach more than than any other position is defensive backs. So when you think about Alabama and defensive backs, you think about a Mark Barrett who's really transitioned more into a linebacker at NFL, but uh, or Dre Kirkpatrick who's had a really nice NFL career. Landon Collins, Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Uh, Eddie Jackson, all, all those guys, even at somebody like Javi Arenas, who played in the NFL for a while, um, was very lightly recruited. But, man, he was he was strong at Alabama. There's no doubt. And Shy Carter seems like a Javi Arenas light to me that um, he, had, he had more accolades than Javi Arenas coming out of high school. But I'd say his ceiling was lower. And I, I just mm. feel like Shy Carter may have. Um, I'm not going to say he's given, you know, he's he's reached the maximum of his potential because you never know. But uh, I I think he's going to be the kind of guy that can hang around in the NFL for a solid three to seven years. And uh, do I think he's going to be an all pro ever? No, but I think he's, he's going to be like first defensive back off the bench and he can play a few different positions for you. And so I'm, I think he can certainly be an asset to a team. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, the last thing you kind of said, I think, kind of makes it an understanding of why the Rams might be re interested. 
Uh, that secondary, you know, there's been a few pieces that are leaving. There's a few pieces right now that are on their last year of the deal. So a guy that can play multiple positions and kind of go around. And then the first thing he said, he goes and makes plays. You know, he always seems to be there uh, regardless if he is, you know, the top end talent on that position at that team. But uh, Shai Carter is an interesting one because McKinney most likely is long gone by the time the Rams get a chance. So Shai Carter is the one that I'm kind of most interested in for the Rams here. Uh, but I want to kind of stick in this defensive side. We'll step aside really quick. We'll go over to the third segment. We got more coming up with Lockdown Bama right after this. So we are back with Luke Robinson from Lockdown Bama. We're talking prospects in the NFL draft, potential landing spot here in Los Angeles. Uh, right now we have seven picks on the board. Expect for less need to kind of make some moves and maybe uh, try to collect a couple more picks or take some of those later picks, move up and get some guys in that top 100, top 150. Plenty of Alabama guys there. Another guy that I really like as we were just kind of talking about that secondary, again, a question of uh, will he be available for the Rams? But uh, cornerback Trayvon Diggs, talk to me about him. Uh, what are some of the highlights of him? Maybe what are some of the knocks on him and where you see him going in this draft? Okay, I really like Trayvon Diggs. He's the brother of Stefan Diggs, um, who's with the Bills now. He was with the Vikings and playing really well, made the huge catch against New Orleans in the playoffs uh, to send them to the NFC title game. Um, Trayvon, the one thing I would say about him is that in the one game where I really th- – where I think Alabama needed him to step up more than anything. And that was the LSU game this year in Tuscaloosa. There were a couple of times where it seemed like he wasn't quite as aggressive as his reputation makes him out to be. Um, in fact, when I was reading about some of the draft uh, draft stuff on him from other guys, everybody said he's aggressive. And, and I kind of, watching every single Alabama game, I just never would have labeled him that way. Especially, I guess that LSU game was so big, it kind of sticks out in my mind. But here are the positives. Trayvon Diggs, first of all, he's got the bloodlines, obviously, being Stefan's brother. But um, he's got the size and the speed. He's got these you know freakishly long arms that you love for cornerbacks to have these days. And the other thing about him, he started out at wide receiver and punt returner, kick returner for Alabama. So you know he's got that mentality of when he gets his hands on the ball, he wants to score. A lot of guys at defensive back, hey, they just want to bat the ball away. They want to make sure you don't make the catch, or they want to uh, get the interception and then just, hey, I got my interception. Well, right. when he gets an interception, he's he's looking to take it to the crib. I mean, he, he had two games last year, Arkansas and Tennessee, back-to-back games where he had an interception for a touchdown, and then pretty famously – a fumble return for a touchdown that Tennessee fumbled going into the end zone and and that's he picked right. it up five yards deep and took it 105 yards. Yeah, and that is that's a that's a thing you gotta love, especially uh, a guy that can do multiple things, right? You can get him out there on defense, but then the Rams right now are in the market for a return specialist as well. JoJo Natson moved on, uh, and there's obviously plenty of talent on the Rams roster that they could look to maybe add. Uh, at that position. But if you're drafting and you kind of get one of those dual threat guys, and as you mentioned, that bloodline 
of having a ton of speed and the mindset of if the football's in my hands, I don't want to just, okay, you know, take a knee, give it to Jared Goff. Let's take it to the house and try to put some points up on the board. Uh, we've had Marcus Peters here in the past couple of years, and he had that very much mindset. And seeing your defense put points up on the board, uh, especially when our offense was struggling, was a very nice thing. So uh, interesting prospect there. And as we're looking, and we mentioned this earlier in the show, and I want to get your thoughts on a few of these guys. Some of these guys are nowhere near where the Rams are going to go. Obviously, a wide receiver is a need for the Rams, but they'd have to give up so much to go up and get a guy like uh, Jerry Judy or uh, Henry Ruggs. But talk to me about who you think the number one wide receiver coming off the board for Alabama is going to be. Uh, and do you see both of them kind of having Pro Bowl careers? Or what are your thoughts at the wide receiver position coming from Bama? Yeah, look, I love, love, love both of these guys. And I love Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Jerry Judy is so fun to watch because he's an ankle breaker. He's he's a juking kind of guy. He's a typical South Florida receiver. You know, they always talk about growing up chasing rabbits around and and learning how to juke that way. And he's um he's trained with some some great NFL receivers. I know Hollywood Brown has been working with him lately. I think Antonio Brown has even been working with him. So, I mean, he certainly uh, comes from that ilk. Um, and Alabama had a long line of those Miami-type guys, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, now Jerry Judy. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I think Henry Ruggs has got the highest ceiling of any receiver here. And while his stats aren't the same as Jerry Judy's, Jerry Judy was obviously – uh, Tua Tungvaluwa's favorite receiver, and and he should be because he can make people miss, and he can um, he's got good, really good hands. He loves going deep. Um, Henry Ruggs is just so dangerous, and he's so fast, fast and athletic. And man, if the if the Rams have a chance to get him, they should do it and not waste a second. And if you don't believe me, look, just go back and look at his YouTube highlights from his high school days playing basketball. I mean, mm. he could have won multiple. Uh, slam dunk competitions and he was so aggressive I mean he he reminded me he dunked a lot like Dominique Wilkins did like he was he was going to dunk the ball no matter who was in front of him and he was so fast that nobody could ever catch up to him um he's that way he was that way at Alabama um and in fact talking about another Alabama Mississippi all-star game I called the game in Montgomery with that he played in uh, he returned the opening kickoff 100 yards for a touchdown. That's just the kind of player he was. Uh, and obviously, he had a big touchdown catch from Tua in the Georgia National Championship game. And I think he's going to be a, a superstar at the next level. And, and both he and Judy have some some tragedy in their life. I guess we all do, but they have some tragedy in their backstory that, that's going to make everybody gravitate towards them in, in terms of uh, their personalities. They're just both really great guys. And you know what? You talked really quickly about the the basketball highlights, and it's it's so fun to go back and watch those. And uh, I did get a chance to watch his, and it, may, it actually brought me to going back and watching Randy Moss's uh, high school basketball. Obviously, a little bit different uh, size and era, but man, watching some of these guys that can just fly out of the gym and have tremendous speed, also go and play some basketball, you start to look at. You know, what would they have been like in the other world? And you could do the same thing on the other side, looking at LeBron James as a tight end or a wide receiver. But it is kind of fun seeing how athletic some of these guys are. Uh, and then, you know, kind of you, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of Tua in the mix there as far as delivering the football to these guys, having monster seasons, uh, obviously coming off the injury. Obviously, the Rams are not in the market for a quarterback, but there's another team here in Los Angeles that may be. What do you think about Tua coming out as far as 
Uh, one, were you supportive of him coming to the NFL? Two, uh, where do you think the best fit for him is? And is he one of these guys that's going to get instant action right away next season? Well, he appears to be 100% healthy, which is huge. Um, yes, I'm supportive of his coming out, but he was oh so close to coming back. People don't realize this. He literally was a last-second decision to come out. He struggled with it. Um, but I, I, in the end, just because from him, for his standpoint personally, I think it was the best call for him to come out and, and go ahead and get paid. Um, I certainly would have loved to have, have him come back and, and destroy every single record at Alabama. He owns most of them already, but he has absolutely just rewritten the Alabama quarterback record book. He's such a good kid. This generation of Alabama fans, there's no doubt in my mind, he is their favorite player. Now, somebody like me, I grew up in a Derek Thomas era. I'm always going to be partial to Derek Thomas and, and David, the deuce David Palmer. But um, Tua is right up there. Just so much fun to watch. Such a good, classy kid who is is driven by faith. He's incredibly accurate. Now his his arm strength is not the best in the world, but he throws a pretty deep ball for as far as he can throw it. Um, and it's he's just so accurate. Fantastic instincts. And the one thing I guess this is a knock on him outside of the injury stuff. When you know the the thing about the injuries. He took a bad hit in that Mississippi State game. And if anybody else takes that hit, they suffer the same injury. It's right. just one of those things. It, it was unfortunate that it was him. Um, but so I don't necessarily – I wouldn't call him injury prone. I would just say he's had some bad luck with that. Um, so I'm not really worried about that at the next level. But the one thing that that does concern me about him sometimes is he's so – confident in his own ability not cocky right. he just he thinks he's going to make every throw and if you remember going back to this LSU game right before half he throws a pick that LSU is able to capitalize on and increase the lead well LSU only won by six points I mean you have that playback and all of a sudden things are a little bit different but uh, that being said uh, I mean you can't say enough about how good a kid this is. And if you were to go to the Chargers, they should jump all over, of course, with his being from Hawaii. Uh, he was going to go to Southern Cal before ending up uh, coming to Alabama. So I think he would love being there. And, um, hey, it, I'm, I'm pulling for him to go to the Dolphins. But uh, just because he'd be closer to me in Alabama, uh, those West Coast games I don't get to see quite yeah. as often. You know? So I, I would I would prefer he be in Miami. And I grew up a Miami fan. But uh, – if if he ends up wherever he goes, I'm gonna pull for him. Yeah, well, like you said, I think both those cities would love to have him. I think that he is really the most interesting piece in this draft. And uh, even though you're talking about Joe Burrow going number one, and you know maybe another court, it just he is kind of seems like the centerpiece of this draft. Where does he go? How does how do people move to get him? Uh, so he is really the one thing about this draft that is really exciting, and we'll see how it all kind of plays out uh, via online. And it's going to be a new form for all of us, but. Uh, both those teams, I think, would love to have them. And really, talking about all these players today, I think the Rams would be happy to have any one of these guys that we talked about as far as the program they come from, uh, what they've put on tape, and really what they can do to kind of grow around the team that we already have here in Los Angeles. But, uh, Luke, my man, I appreciate talking to you. The insight was amazing. Guys, don't forget, you can find him on Twitter at LSRobinson21, as well as Locked On Bama. You can find the podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Go check them out. Uh, they're putting up three episodes a week right now, and they are awesome. So make sure to give a listen. Luke, my friend, I can't wait to talk to you. Hopefully, uh, maybe the Rams pick one of these guys. We'll have you back on to kind of do a deeper dive into the prospect if we land someone from Alabama. 
Hey, man, I'd love it. And let me tell you one other thing about Tua that I meant to throw in there and I forgot. He only played in 33 games at Alabama. You know, injury or when Jalen Hurts was starting, he may have not got to play in some of the games like the Clemson playoff game. But he only lost two of the games he played in. Um, he lost to both times. He lost to the team that went on to win the national championship and finished 15 and 0. So I mean that that tells you another thing about him. He just he didn't lose a lot of games, man. And when he did, you just got to tip your hat to the other team. And they both times uh, those teams combined for a 30 and 0 record. So that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, not not too much of a knock there. And I think that goes across the board to all the players today. Is kind of exciting. Is they coming from that winning pedigree? They don't want to let it go. They've got it built in their head. Saban has done. Uh, like I said earlier, not so much the physical, but also the mental, getting them ready for the NFL. So these players are ready to be impacts. And that is what the Rams need. They need impact players year one. We can't wait three years to watch them develop. We need guys that come in and play right away. That's why I love those edge guys coming out of Alabama. So we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, coming up on Monday, we're going to do another mock draft, maybe an extended one that goes Monday, Tuesday. Haven't quite figured that out, but we're going to do some trade backs. We're going to look at ways that the Rams can really add talent in this draft. But with all that said, you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time, peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.